Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. We're in Revelation this morning, chapter 7, and we'll see if we can't make it through the whole chapter. So let's read over the chapter. After these things, now if you're new or visiting, you can get the CDs from the previous studies, but John here, the I, is the Apostle John. This is written in the early, early 90s. John is most likely in his late 70s, early 80s at this point. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree." Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried out, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Father, we thank you and praise you again for your word. Lord, we do ask your blessing upon the little ones 
Not just at this church, but every Bible-believing church, for they are the next generation if your son tarries. Lord, bless all the volunteers as they present the gospel, that they will present the whole gospel, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit stirring us and inspiring us. And I pray for the gift of teaching as we go over these verses this morning. Help us to understand that we are living out the word of God this very day. Your son is coming back very soon. So use us, Father. We pray for anyone in our midst this morning. Maybe there's someone here that does not know Jesus as their Savior. Father, open their eyes. Help them to see their need for a Savior. That they are not getting to heaven by any good works which they would try to do. But it is only through the cross. It is only through the blood sacrifice that they will be allowed entrance into heaven. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, chapter 7 is a parenthetical remark or section. So this is a section. So a parenthetical remark or section is used to describe something in addition to. So chapters 1 through 6, here's a break in the action, so to speak. And we're going to get into chapter 8. So they call this a parenthetical section. So it's in addition to the main part of what a person is saying or what is written. Because you just saw there, we're going to see the 144 marked. That's during the Great Tribulation. But then all of those who made it through the Tribulation, John says, well, who are, or the angel says, who are these? And John says, I don't know, you know. And the angel explains all who have come out of the Great Tribulation. So it's covering the longer period of time chronologically than we've been going through. So that's why it's called a parenthetical section. We'll see this happening again later in this letter. But here it's very important to notice that this group of Jews, Israelites, as we've read, 12 tribes, are not Jehovah Witnesses. Now again, if you're new here, we do not bash religion. We talk about religion though. Because we have to be mature enough to talk about religion because all of us, the CDC got this right, the Center for Deceit Control, they at least got this right. 10 out of 10 people still die. And if you believe in a false religion and you die without Jesus, you're going to hell. So we have to be mature enough to talk about Jesus. Who is Jesus? And what is this religion that is being out there taught? The cults will use the scriptures to their own demise, which is exactly what the Jehovah Witnesses did and do. Early on in their newfound faith, religion, they taught that 144,000 chosen witnesses would reign with Christ in heaven and spend eternity with God. This is called their heavenly hope, their heavenly hope. But then there became the 144,001 Jehovah Witness, and they had to change their belief system. Now, everyone other than the chosen 144,000 will eventually have an earthly hope, where Christ and the chosen 144,000 will rule. Right now, they have over 8 million people on the earth that are considered themselves Jehovah Witnesses. You see, take the word of God at face value, literally. 
And when we do that, we will not end up with strange doctrines or beliefs. You see, the founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pastor Chuck Smith, encouraged us pastors, and you as well, to do this when interpreting the scriptures. When the plain sense of scriptures makes common sense, seek no other sense, lest you end up with nonsense. And that's a good thing to keep in our minds, even in our own personal lives. This is how you can distinguish a cult or a religion. I was born and raised a Roman Catholic. I would not say that they're a cult, but they do incorporate cultish practices into that religion. Or a religion that uses cultish practices from the true Bible-believing church. You see, they have and will always end up with beliefs and practices that point to nonsense and that contradict the whole of scriptures. So it's very easy to see. First and foremost, you just want to go directly to Jesus. You don't have to spend decades, years, just a little bit of time in the Word of God and go directly to Jesus. Who is Jesus? Ask any religious person, who is Jesus? And then you can start addressing other issues. But you're going to find very quickly whether that religion is a cult right off the bat or if they have incorporated cultish practices into their religion. Very, very important. For example, Mormonism, the practicing of baptizing for the dead. Or Roman Catholics, praying to and praying for the dead. Islam, killing non-Muslims by blowing yourself up so that you can immediately go to heaven and get 70 virgins. Virgins. Get 70 virgins. I mean, the list can go on and on. But let's get some more additional information. Let's look at Revelation chapter 14. Who are these? And some more information about these people here. Because it's very sad. Very sad. Islam is huge. India has surpassed China in population. India has surpassed China in population. Who is Jesus? Very simple question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to your religion? Revelation 14. Then I looked. Again, this is John, if you're new to the Bible. And behold, a lamb, and we know this to be Jesus. Notice capital L. Standing on Mount Zion. Keep that in the front of your mind. And with him, 144,000. Who are the 144,000? We just read in chapter 7. So this is the 144,000. Having his father's name written on their foreheads. Now, does that mean it's going to be a literal tattoo? We're going to be able to walk around and go, oh, they're one of the 144,000. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we'll get to it later on where you, as a Bible-believing Christian, you are sealed. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Have you found that seal? Can you see that seal? No. But God knows when he looks at you that you are his son, you are his daughter. Period. You have a seal. And so sometimes when we read the scriptures, we, can, we do take it, want to take it literally. But other times, as you're going to see, and move on here, we don't know, so don't argue about it. Don't go dig a, you know, die on this hill. They're marked and there's a tattoo on their forehead. We don't know. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were 
a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. So here's a picture that we were looking at in chapter 7. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed, notice, from the earth. So we know these are not angelic beings. Only humans can be redeemed. Angels cannot be redeemed. These are the ones, so now we get some more information, who were not defiled with women. So this is not a put down. This is negative. It's just saying they were virgins. For they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, mankind there, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before, before, notice before, the throne of God. Now before we leave these verses, there's a very important point in verse 1 here that I mentioned. Zion, Mount Zion. I hope this is not true. I'm gonna, we got to give it a couple more days to find out exactly, but I did hear yesterday, so I'm not saying this is fact, but we will find out, I'm sure, in the next few days, that the Biden administration has told Israel they have until the end of this year to finish the war, and then we're going to stop supporting you. Now, I don't know if that's true, so don't take and run with that. we got to wait till it plays out and see what's going to happen. But the whole world is very upset about what's going on. And why are they so upset? Why are they not marching and talking about Ukraine and Russia? Why are they not talking about the 26 year, I think it's 27 now, the 27 year genocidal Sudan? North and South. The North wants to totally obliterate the South. The South is made up of Christians, the North is made up of Muslims. Why are they not arguing over that? Why are they not marching in the streets? You see, Jerusalem is spiritual. It's physical, but it's spiritual. God's promises revolve around Jerusalem. That's why the enemy, our spiritual enemy, continually comes against them. So we shouldn't be surprised, and if this administration does it, I'm not going to be surprised at all. Because we're in the last days, and we are marching towards Ezekiel, where Russia is going to come and other military entities are going to come and actually invade. They're going to read your Bible in Ezekiel. They're actually going to be in the land, not just surrounding the land. They're actually going to be in the land. So if this happens, it does not surprise me. It grieves me, because when everyone turns against, when we turn against Israel, we're going to pay for it. One way or another, we're going to pay for it. So be in prayer. Psalm 132.13 says, For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his dwelling place. You see, Zion can mean the whole land of Israel, but predominantly, predominantly in the scriptures. It is in reference and interchangeable with Jerusalem. Jerusalem, predominantly. This is why I believe that when Jerusalem became the capital of Israel in 1967, it started the prophetic time clock, not 1948, but 1967, where we would see the return of Jesus Christ in what's called the rapture. So verse 1, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. 
Again, as we see in other scriptures, many people will mock the Bible because of a verse like this, but it is very simple to interpret. See, God knows what he created way better than humanity does. I think when Jesus spoke the world into being, he knew that it was round. He knew that it was round. But for how many years were people afraid to sail because you were going to fall off the earth? And that was the modern science of the day. And if you said anything against that, you were ridiculed, you were censored, you were mocked, you were canceled. Because you don't know what you're talking about. We are the scientists. We know the truth. The scientists of a certain century actually numbered the stars. And if you went against that number, well, you know, you're just unlearned. We know what we're talking about. Really. There was even a certain day and age where as a doctor, the more blood you had on your clothes as a surgeon, you would go into the next person and the other doctors would go, whoa, man, that guy is good. Look at him. Look at all that. He's really doing a good job today. And when one doctor, I think it was a Jew, finally changed, they mocked him and ridiculed him, but his mortality rate tanked. His patients weren't dying anymore. And the other patients were dying. And so hence, maybe he's got something here. Well, if you read your Bible, it says, wash your hands. It's amazing how science catches up with the Bible. You see, obviously, the four corners are not literally four corners, but rather, this phrase carries with it the idea of extremities. In Jeremiah 49, 36, God makes this reference against the enemies of Israel. In Jeremiah 49, 36, against Elam, I will bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven. You see, Jeremiah foretold that God was going to bring judgment with extreme destruction upon the enemies of the Israelites. And we are going to see the same thing happening here in Revelation. No one, no one will be able to escape, to hide from God's judgments. There will be no ultimate bunker. So in these verses, we could use the modern idea of a compass. You see, the compass points to the extremities, not to a specific point upon the earth. The wind can come from the north, south, east, and west, and is used in part, not always, but in part, of God's coming judgments. I mentioned this at the second service. It popped in my mind, so I went back and I said, okay, I'll get some more information because I didn't have information. It It just popped into my mind. So just think about that tornado that blew through Joplin in 2011. 2011 which had a population of 50,000 people in Joplin. It had 200 plus mile per hour winds. Costliest tornado at that time, costliest tornado to have ever happened in U.S. history. 161 people died, becoming the deadliest tornado up to that point. 8,000 structures were damaged. 75% of Joplin suffered damage, while 25% of the town was destroyed. Now get this. The tornado was on the ground for 38 minutes and covered 22 miles. One tower of a large hospital was moved four inches off its foundation. 
they had to destroy, take apart the whole hospital and to build another hospital in a different location. And that's just one small windstorm. So these four angels are given authority to hold back, not necessarily the winds of destruction, but in this case, the winds of judgment that are coming from the north, the south, east, and west, and it's going to cover the whole earth. The winds of judgment, God's wrath. Verses 2 through 4. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth and sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all tribes of the children of Israel. Very important. Replacement theology. Replacement theology. The church does not replace Israel anywhere. But unfortunately, replacement theology has creeped into the church and even sometimes very subtly. Oh, well, we're really not calling it. No, 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 no. Don't call it. We don't believe in replacement theology, but God is done with Israel. And, and we're just receiving the blessings of the word of God from God. Okay, you're just schmoozing it. You're just trying to snowball us here. It's, it's no. It's replacement theology. Do you believe Israel should be a nation? Well, well, okay. It's replacement theology. Yes, Israel should be a nation. They're not occupying it. It's their land. It's theirs. So you want to make sure that you know the word of God and that you explain the word of God to people. Unfortunately, they don't know what tribe they were from. When, the, when people say, well, I'm of the 144,000, just ask them a simple question. What tribe are you of? Uh, are you a Jew? Uh, get out of here. Come on, you need to know Jesus as your Savior. You've been deceived by Satan. They spiritualize the word, as I've already mentioned, instead of taking it for its literal truth. And as we can see here, there are going to be literally... 12,000 Jews from each tribe of the Israelites. Now, you can, you're going to see something as you read this. We don't know for sure because the scriptures do not tell us specifically, but most believe that these 144,000 Jews, Israelites, are going to go throughout the world to evangelize mankind. And that would make perfect sense with the innumerable multitude of Gentiles in verse 9. So even in the midst of God's judgment, as I've mentioned over the last few weeks, upon this earth, we see God's grace being poured out upon this earth as well. We serve an awesome God. So these Israelites are sealed just like the believer is sealed today. 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22. I've said this to every believer that comes into my office and says, well, I think I've lost my salvation. Really? Do you believe Jesus is Lord? I mean, did you receive Jesus as your Savior? Yes. Are you allowing him to become your, your Lord? Yes. You're in here questioning and, and so concerned about that. That verifies that you're saved. Have you made a profession of faith? Yes. Have you shown fruit of salvation? Yes. Then you're saved. Grow up. Get past it. Next time you take a bath or a shower, find the seal, tear it off, and bring it into me. Then you lost your salvation. Until that point, you cannot lose your salvation. It's that simple. You're sealed. Trust the word of God. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us. God sealed us. We didn't seal ourselves. 
and given us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in our hearts as a guarantee. Ephesians 1.13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the word of the gospel, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, do you believe? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You can't lose it. Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We as believers can grieve. Now, if you think you're saved and you're living like the devil and there's no transformation in your life, I'm not going to tell you you're not saved, but I'm going to say, well, your fruit, you know, you really want to check out your life because your fruit is not showing evidence of salvation. Maybe you made a head commitment and you didn't make a heart commitment, but I've never told anyone they're not saved. How would I know? I'm not God. Do we not all make mistakes as Christians where we could say, oh, that person's not saved? Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. It's the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those are His. So again, if you're living like the devil, repent. If you call yourself a Christian and you're doing something you know you shouldn't do, just repent. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I'm not going to read the list again as we look at Revelation, but 5 through 8. Remember last week that I mentioned it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know, but I'll, I'll check into that. If somebody talks to you, an unbeliever or a believer, and you don't know, it's okay to say, you know what, I don't know. That, that shows humility. I don't know, but I'll look into it and I'll get back with you. Well, here are some verses where we'd have to go back and say, you know what, I don't know, but God does. Now, why would I say that? There are various lists of the tribes found in the scriptures, and they are not all alike. We could conjecture on why the list differs, but we really don't know why. Only God does, so leave it with God. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. We can get so hung up about so many things And we're not even walking out the faith in practical ways in our day-to-day life. But we'll get hung up about whether the earth is flat or round. Well, how is Christ transforming your life today? Okay, let's just say it's flat or round. Who really cares? How's your life being transformed by Christ? Well, I'd rather argue about the earth is flat or round. Well, I don't got time for you. Our revealed belongs to us and to our children forever that we may do the words of this law. There are certain things that God only knows. Thank God. We're never going to figure it all out, ever. And this might sound like an easy out, so to speak, but it's just reality. Let God be God. It's not an easy out. Let, just, let God be God. Timothy, for, I think it's 1 Timothy 1. I forgot to put first or second. There it is, 1 Timothy. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Doctrine. Marriage is between one genetic male, one genetic female. Nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies. Well, let's argue about the 12 tribes. No, I'm not going to argue about the 12 tribes. Well, we, nobody knows where they are. Uh, well, maybe you don't, but God does. And God's going to bring them back together, and God's going to number them, because that's God's business. Which cause disputes, 
rather than godly edification, which is in faith. If you're in a situation with another believer and you find yourself getting riled up, if you find yourself getting mad, if you find yourself getting frustrated, if you walk away angry and I just can't wait to find something to come back and beat that person up with, is that edifying? You might just want to end the conversation and say, you know what, we just got to agree to disagree. But let's go help people come to know Jesus first and foremost. Let's just do that. Don't argue with them. Just, Just let it be. Leave it to God. Verses 9 and 10. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude in which no one could number of all nations. Notice, all nations. Not a few nations in Europe or a couple nations in Africa. All na- so the whole world of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. What language are we going to speak when we get to heaven? Uh, I, I can't say for sure. I don't think anybody really can say for sure. But Paul, when Jesus spoke to him, spoke in the Hebrew tongue. We do have that reference in Acts. Um, it doesn't matter what language is going to be. We're all going to understand. I can guarantee you that. We're all going to understand. Clothed with white robes, that's the purity with palm branches in their hands and crying with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, God the Father, and to the land, God the Son. And we know God the Holy Spirit, the triune to Godhead. You see, we covered these verses last week, so let's look at a few highlights in these verses here. First, John is looking upon a mass of humanity, not angels, humanity. Such a mass that he says they can't be numbered. Uh, Before I knew Christ, I had the privilege of going to, I don't know about privilege, that's a strong choice of words, those are Christian terms. I was deceived into going to a rock concert, and we went in the middle of the night uh, with tickets. Uh, That was the first mistake, because thousands of people showed up with no tickets, and nobody was stopping them, but we were young enough to buy tickets, and so we thought we were doing the right thing, and we went in, when we woke up in the morning, because we had no idea who was going, we were just in a mass of humanity, if you stopped, you better pull yourself off to the right or to the left, because you were going to get run over, it was just people flowing, 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 and we went in and bedded down in some field, I don't know what it, where it was, uh, it was in Southern California, and woke up to 250,000 people at a rock concert my BC days, you talk about a massive humanity. I mean, the, the, the groups were maybe a quarter inch tall from where we were. Uh, it was California Jam 2. You can go look it up on YouTube. I did several months ago. I'm like, I, I can't believe I was a part of that. It was just, just crazy, just absolutely crazy. So this, it's not you know, unbelievable that John says it's a mass that you can't be numbered. I just, it, just a mass. Third, Uh, Or secondly, this mass is made up of Jews and Gentiles. We'll see in verse 14 when we get there. Third, they are standing before the throne of God and before Jesus, sinless, purity, wearing white robes. Fourth, they are waving, waving palm branches, which is a symbol of peace in Israel, by the way. But they were rejoicing over the free gift of salvation. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior this morning, maybe you're visiting, I may never ever see you again. You need to have a Savior. Either you are your Savior or Jesus is your Savior. Oh no, my 401k is my Savior. Oh, my career is my Savior. Oh, my family is my Savior. 
Nothing is going to save you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. So the Gospel of John mentions a crowd welcoming Jesus by waving palm branches, crying, Hosanna, which means save now. Hosanna, Hosanna. And what happens when these saints rejoice in heaven here as we look in Revelation 11 and 12? All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worship, saying, Amen. Why are they saying that at the beginning? Well, they're just saying, Amen, so be it. What you just said is true. That's really what amen means. They're just starting out with amen. What you people, what you redeemed just said, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen to that. Amen. And then they now proclaim blessing and glory and wisdom. And basically this is insinuating all blessings. All glory, all wisdom, all thanksgiving, all honor, all power, all might be to our God forever and ever. And then they end up with amen. So be it. So that's why there's an amen at the beginning and why there's an amen at the end. Verse 13 Beautiful picture of heaven. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where do they come from? I said to you, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. So I believe we have this out of, so the seven years. So he's going back and forth, and that's why they call it parenthetical. And washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the cross, they acknowledged they were sinners in need of a Savior. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb, for Jesus, who is in the midst of the throne, will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And I love this. I have that whole verse highlighted, but I have this last sentence double highlighted. And God, our Father, if you know Jesus as your Savior, I hope that you'd understand He's your Father. Maybe you didn't have a good earthly dad. Don't, don't go down the road of blame. Just forgive and move past it. You have a loving Heavenly Father that is always there for you and for me. And the Father here will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Well, why would there be crying in heaven? I personally believe this ties into the uh, reward seat, the reward seat. When we stand before Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe it is, um, we're going to be judged for our rewards. Not for our works for salvation. That's off the table. But we have the Holy Spirit. We, every single believer has at least one spiritual gift, at least one. And the Father, Jesus, who's, because all judgment has been committed to Jesus, is going to say, what did you do? What, what, I mean, for our conversation, he already knows. But for our conversation, he's gonna, well, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with the, the 10, the 5, the 1? What did you do? Did you use it? Did you invest it or did you bury it? You're coming into heaven. That's, no, that's not a problem. But we are, guys. I, I hope you realize this. I say this on a regular basis, but I have to say it. I want you to realize this. We are going to stand before the Bema Seat of Christ. 
individually. I'm not going to be there with you. It's going to be you, and it's going to be God, or Jesus. He's going to be Jesus. And what did you do? If you give a cup of cold water, Jesus said to one of my disciples, you will not lose your reward. It's the small things. It might be big things. It might be things that no one will ever, ever, ever see. It's not about proclaiming what you did. It's about just obeying God when he says to you in a story, hey, go stop and pray for that person. Are you kidding me? Had a great encounter this past week at, at Home Depot. Right at the front door. I mean, it was a phenomenal, don't have time to tell you about it, it was phenomenal. We ended up praying right there in the front of Home Depot, the return aisle. It was a God incident because I was going in, I would have missed them otherwise. But I was looking at my phone, checking for, email, for uh, texting, and I was, I was looking at stuff, my head down, and this couple walks in front of me, and they stop and they look at me, and then I, I, go, I was going to look up to say, oh, I'm not in line, go ahead, because I was off to the side. I look up and they go, Pastor Jim? I go, yeah. And we started talking, and we ended up, they ended up sharing what's going on in their lives. And we, well, let's pray. And we prayed right there. Are you available? That's what the gift of God is for. Are you available? Last night, many people, many men, used their gifts. You, you got treasure in heaven. There's the gift of administration. There's the gift of hospitality. Those are gifts. The ladies were so blessed last night. I don't know if you guys know it. Those of you who serve. And those of you who didn't serve, come out next year and serve. If we're here, hopefully it won't be. But if we're here, they were so blessed. I mean, we actually, they actually, I didn't, they actually walked, I was doing other things. But the guys actually walked the ladies from their door to their table. And the ladies didn't know what to do when the guy stuck out their arm. How far we have gone as a nation. Well, we're just trying to show respect. We're just trying to show respect to you as a woman. What do, what do I do with that? What's this, is this guy trying to hook, what's he trying to do to me? I mean, isn't that sad? Just the pervertedness of our society. I'm just going to walk you to your... And they have to say, well, I'm just going to walk you to your table. And then some of the guys, when it first started, their hands were down here and they were out in front of the ladies. I'm going, no, 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 no. Get back there. Get back there. You put your arm out. You walk aside them. Not in front of them. This is not Islam. You're walking in front of them. You walk beside them. You respect them. You honor them. The women love that. I mean, what a beautiful picture of heaven. Psalm 116, 7 through 9. Return to your rest, O my soul. I would encourage you to read Psalm 116 and then just drop a 1 and read Psalm 16. Beautiful, beautiful Psalms about going to heaven. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, from death. Not physical death, but spiritual death. You're born once, you're going to die twice. If you're born twice, if you become born again, you're only going to die once. That's a physical death. You will die. We will never die that spiritual death. My eyes from tears and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Well, as the music team comes up, we're not going to have time. But I would encourage you to read. We'll just throw the slides up real quick so you can take a picture or write it down. Today, this week for your homework, read Revelation 21, 9 through 11, or 21, 9 through 21, this is, this is the new Jerusalem. This is literally the measurements and what we are going to see when we arrive in heaven. The new Jerusalem, paradise. So Revelation 20, 21, 9 through 21. Next slide, Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. And then Revelation 21, go back to Revelation 21, 
1 through 4. And I'm just going to read verse 4 as you write that slide down. Because in Revelation 21, 4, it says this. Notice the intimacy. Listen to the intimacy. You may have zippered up your Bible. That's okay. But listen to the intimacy. And God, this is God the Father, Abba, Abba, Daddy, our God, our Father, my Daddy. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I mean, it's sad to say, I know it. When I show up, I, I know I'm going to say I could have done more. There's not one Christian that has ever lived that will ever say, yeah, I, I accomplished everything. I'm, I was cool. Every Christian is going to say, I could have done more. So don't wait to heaven to say it. Just get involved now on this side of heaven. Because we're all going to say it no matter what. I believe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I believe we will. There should be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Praise God. There should be no more knee replacements. Praise God. (laughs) There should be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Father, we thank you and praise you that we have heaven to look forward to. Our worst day here in Queen Creek, which is really not bad at all, but even our worst day is nothing, is nothing compared to hell. As we're going through Revelation and we see that 1,750,000,000,000 people are going to die most likely within the first two years of the great tribulation, how many of them are going to be going to hell? Father, we just thank you and praise you. Help us to have an attitude of thanks and praise and an attitude to be used of you wherever we might be, Lord, whether it's driving the car or in a store or with our neighbors or at a family gathering or wherever it might be, Lord, that we just be available to be used of you. I, I know I've missed opportunities. I know I have rejected opportunities. So Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit that I'd be even more available than I've ever been, that you might be glorified and that we would plant, water, fertilize, and possibly pray with someone this week to receive Jesus as their Savior. You can do that. You just need vessels. So Father, here we are. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.